0: Gentlemen, welcome to the PGA Draftcast brought to you by winddailysports.com. Just a quick reminder that winddaily sports doesn't just cover golf, they cover the NFL, the NHL, MLB, NBA, soccer, MMA, NASCAR you name the sport. Winddaily sports has projection models, optimizers, articles, and our famous Discord chat to cover it all. Now, if you click the promo link below and you type in win big or green, you will get one week free of winddaily. And then after that, it is just five dollars and 99 cents per week for all of that, including some of our betting content. Now, let's get to the PGA DraftCast where we have proven track records with Joel, Spencer, David, and myself. Let's have some fun. Get in the chat. Make sure you subscribe to the page and make sure you hit the like button. Let's do this snake draft. Let's do the PGA DraftCast. Let's do it right now.
1: PGA Nation! We are back. And we are back with the Honda Classic. We're heading to Florida... We're finally out of the West Coast, getting back on East Coast time, regular hours. Um, honestly, it's a bit of a JV tournament this week, but still fun, exciting field. See, how you doing tonight?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess you could call it a JV tournament. The reality is we have DFS, we have tournaments, we have cash games, we have players to bet on, and not only players to bet on, and of course, we put our outrights in the WinDaily Daily Sports Discord, although at the end of this show, we'll talk about our first round leaders, but... I do want to say it's nice not to have a tournament with John Rom in it because now and and for the record and, and Rory McIlroy and let's say Tony Finau, because now we have guys at 50 to one or 90 to one or 130 to one that are viable in the outright market and, and certainly viable in the top 20 and top 40 market as well. So I really see this week as an opportunity, both from a DFS standpoint, which is what this show is for the most part, uh, but also from a betting standpoint. I'm ready. Let's go.
1: What I'll add though is, while well, there's no on Rom, you do have the John Rom headache of a guy who's head and shoulders above the field as the best player, who's chalky, and it's like, can you play him? Because, uh, but it's, it's not, not John Rom.
0: But, but the, here's her the Rahm. thing though: the gap is not the same gap. It's not the same type. Of, speaking of John Rom, I have to say this because you know how John Rom. You know there was a lot of chatter about how he got uh, kind of helped out by by putting one off the grandstands and ended up being kind of a lucky break for Eagle. And I was thinking about that, and people were like, "Man, I can't believe of all people he got lucky." And you know what? It took me back to Joel. It took me back to John Rom at the Memorial, the the John Rom at the Memorial. Which, correct me if I'm wrong, how much money did that cost you when they they assessed a two-stroke penalty two holes later? One hundred fifty K. One hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So my my whole point in thinking of that wasn't to to trample on on you. It was more like, well, he doesn't always get lucky. That was a really unlucky break for him. Yeah, the ball did move, but if it wasn't John Rom, the camera's not even on that guy at the memorial because he's, well, uh, hold on. he's a guy true. that's like ten shots back.
1: That's not true. He was still lucky because the unluckiness of that went to me. I'm, yeah, he yes. still won the, the. That's one true, Spencer. Didn't really that's true. For him. I was one to go through,
2: but also, anyway, I listen. I'm I'm here still. So, Spencer, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. You know, it's interesting to what you guys have been talking about of the players here. And there are so many golfers and I'm not going to go through and name all of them right now, but it's shocking to me of the players that decided not to play this tournament. And, and I'll just, I'll I'll name a couple, like, like Nick gave this example. Why is Keith Mitchell not here? It's a tournament he's won in the past. Why is Alex Smalley not here? He's a golfer that needs points to qualify for some of these events. Maybe it's not the greatest tournament. Like, why is Davis Thompson not here? I don't really understand why some of these players have decided to bypass this tournament. This might be their best chance that they get to win an event uh, this season, and it's a weaker field. And I kind of agree with what you guys are saying that, I mean, we'll just call him who he is. Like, Sung J M is not John Rahm, but there is a win equity that goes with him at this event. To where I think you could make a really sound argument that he should have or could have. And probably if they would have made him, it would have been better. Like 11,700. <laughs> I think that's a doable thing that you could have put him at. He's two and a half times more likely to win this event than any person that I have in my model. Um, now, because they priced him the way they did, it's a headache for all of us. Because do we want to play a 30 to 40% owned Sung jm when it's a course with water. There's more volatility here than, I mean, Florida courses in general have that same stigma to where water's always going to be the undoing for it. And I mean, we can talk about it more in a second when I talk about the course breakdown, but it's tough. Like Florida courses are tough. And I just think that Sungjae is heads and will be heads and shoulders above the rest of the field. And I don't know if there's an answer of like, whether you should play him or not play him. It kind of just comes down to, is there enough leverage you can create in other spots? If you were ever going to blindly fade somebody at the top, it's probably this week because of all those factors I just mentioned, but it adds a very unique and interesting game theory perspective based off of all of that, which I love. Like Answering those questions are more exciting to me than what do we do with John Rum, Rory McIlroy, and Scotty Scheffler. Like, you actually have to make
0: real decisions this week. Can, can I ask a question real quick, Joel, before we get to his course breakdown? Because I think it's important for me to know it, I'm looking at ownership on Sungjae that that I I find kind of unbelievable. But I, I can we just for this particular player can we compare notes? I'm sure. seeing something close to forty percent, Spencer. Is that what you're seeing, Joel? Is that what you're seeing? So
2: that's the number that Nick gave me. Also, he gave me I think exactly forty percent. I, I see more in the thirty percent number, and I don't know that my like my numbers are always more inclined to be lower in some of these spots. I I, I kind of feel like all this traction of everybody saying he's 40% hopefully will push him down a couple percent.
0: But, it will. It will.
2: But, but even still with it, it kind of comes down to like how overweight do you actually want to find yourself in these spots? Are you playing him to play defense? Are you playing him to be double the field? You're playing double the field. You're going to have to remove most of the player pool around him. Um It's tough. It's a tough answer. And I, it's one of those situations to where he's number, like this isn't even giving away my first pick or from the show or anything with that. Like he's number one in my model in all iterations of how I ran it. He's two and a half times more likely to win than anybody else in this field yet, because the price was what it was and it wasn't closer to 12,000. It's added this headache on the back end of it to where if you tell me he's 30%, I'm kind of fine playing defense with that number. If you're telling me he's 40 to 50%, I'm not thrilled with that. Like it's kind of one of those spots where you kind of can close your eyes and blindly fade, but. I don't know. It's gonna come down to the final number, and I'll let you answer that, Joel. I don't know what number you see with him.
1: Well, I have two two statements to make on this. The first is generally big picture. If anyone pre-tournament is getting over 30% ownership, they were mispriced. Because of course you should be yeah. priced in a way where 30% of the people, right? And like there's no question John Rom is playing the best golf in the world and he's playing unbelievable, but like he wasn't getting to quite 30. Because they put his price high enough, where you had to make some tough decisions, right? And you yeah. had to decide what to do. The other factor with this is when you have a loaded field right behind Brom when he's the top guy, you still have some mega stars that you can go with. You're not going to some, you know, I don't mean this a like scrub, right? You're going to sure. Rory McElroy, right, or, or or Scotty Scheffler, some superstars. This week is different, right? Like there's no one that we would consider an all star in golf after Sunday. And when you look at this kind of watered-down field, right, like when you have played john rom at 1,100, it's kind of hard to get five other guys you feel confident making the cut on. Whereas this week, like there's not a big difference between the low 9K range and the low 8 like, All these guys are much closer than they were last week. So I feel more comfortable spending up on the top guy, knowing I can still build a lineup similarly that I'd want to build it this week than I couldn't do last week in a much more loaded field.
2: I tend to agree with that answer also, just to point it out there. Um, it, there There's downsides to it. And I think, Joel, you said it the best way that anybody has said it so far. If somebody is 30% owned, they have made an egregious decision of where they've priced them. It should never reach that territory. So um, I just think that there's enough ways to build lineups. And I kind of tend to think, which we'll get to it in a second, that a lot of these players, $9,000 and up are kind of pretenders in this field. I, I think it kind of goes to what you're talking about to where I, there's not that big of a difference between there's a couple I like, but there's not that big of a difference between some of those $9,000 golfers and some of the players in the eight thousands and some of the players in the high seven thousands. And I think that's the case. And I, I like Sungji, I kind of want to go that route, but the problem is water. It, it's just going to keep going back to water. Like the volatility of that answer adds a headache to the back end of that equation to where we can't really feel safe. And, and, you know, that's a decision to where you have to make that call of if you want to do it or not. And everybody, that's your discretion of it.
0: So here's the thing, because we got a lot of people in, in the chat and everybody, thank you for being here. Thank you for specifically being in the chat. Cause that's always fun to see you, but I think they're ready to draft. So I feel like let's do the course breakdown and let's start getting some picks in because I'm really curious to see where Sung j ends up going let's do expense hit us. What are you looking for this week on the Atlanta the classic?
2: Yeah, I will keep this super short. I feel like we talked about a lot of this at the beginning and, and I do want to get into the draft, but it's PGA national. I think it must be noted about this course and really any course inside the Florida swing yearly. As I said, water will be the undoing for many golfers in the field. It only takes a few poor shots to find yourself outside the cut line. When things begin to spiral that is shown by 15 holes, presenting a combination of 26 sinkable hazards. A factor like that is exceptionally notable when comparing courses since if you look at last week, an errant shot created the ability to scramble from out of the rough to salvage your score. However, all of that goes out the window at the Honda Classic because a wandering drive or approach will provide the dreaded waterbound answer on the new and I would say frankly hard to follow PGA app. I don't know what you guys think of that app, but I have not been a fan of anything that they've added to that website in 2023. I think wind is something that you want to look at when you look at terms of difficulty. Uh, It's been in the top 10 in that area, 13 of the past 16 seasons. I think the ability to control your mid irons and blustery conditions, uh, that's going to be needed. As I said, water's always the great equalizer because you can't account for the harsh nature of that penalty, but uh, it kind of goes back to what I keep saying. Like that means the level of combustibility and volatility is heightened. When you look at that, you're going to have to make decisions based off of that answer and, Ownership is condensing in all the same areas. So if you're going to play Sungjae, you're going to play somebody like that, you have to find a way to get unique. And I think that's the key to this whole thing to where you're going to have to pick and choose your spots because if you just run out the standard lineup that everybody else does, you're the rake in a GPP contest. And that's what we don't want.
1: There you have it. I love it. I love it. And one thing I'll add, you're right. The PGA app has been pretty bad, but... They don't have the live money. You wait till you see the live app. <laughs> it's really wonderful. Just kidding. Let's dive into the draft. I'm going to pull up the draft board as I do. So a quick reminder on the rules. So a little bit different this week. As the audience, you'll be drafting your team on your own without Sia's help. Um, the Since Spence won last week, he picked the order. The draft order will go Spencer, Sia, audience, then myself. And it'll be a snake draft like your typical fantasy world draft where I'll come back around and I'll have the first pick in the second draft. We are drafting full rosters, king style. So you do need to stay within salary. You can't just draft all the best players. You need to draft a team knowing that you will be able to afford all of the players in your lineup without further ado. Spence, you're on the clock.
2: So I, I preface this answer by saying, I, I, I hesitate to say it this way because this player is in my player pool as of this moment. It doesn't hurt that we're doing a four-person draft. I never go on this show and give that answer because I am always trying to provide an answer for everybody out there listening. I want people to be able to throw my lineup into a GPP contest and to try to win it. I think there are enough ways that I can play Sung JM that I can still get unique in other areas. The two and a half times win equity that my model has on him is just too substantial to ignore. I view this to be one of those spots to where he is the John Rom of this tournament. Maybe not in exactly what's being presented. There's not as much safety because of the water, but the win equity is very similar to what you would get with John Rom in a stacked field. It's just done it in a way now that the field is weaker. So I plan on playing Sung Jay. I don't know if that means I'm playing him defensively or I'm going to go a little bit you know overweight to him, but. If I'm assuming that he's 30% owned and I can play him at 30% and kind of build around him that way, I'm fine going that route. I think he's the best player in this field. He's number one in all iterations of how I ran it. And I will figure it out from there. So I will take Sungjae M first overall.
0: So I'll say this, Joel, I want to ask you something before I make my pick. I'm going to presume that Sungjae is like 34% or higher by the time we have Locke. I think I'm going to be a full fade. Here's why and maybe this isn't the right reason, it's going to be so much easier for me to absorb him doing well and me being like, okay, I played the game theory play here. than him tanking and being like, what the hell was I doing playing Sungjae M when I knew he was going to be 35, 36, 37%. So in terms of like my own mental sanity, I think I just want to go ahead and be like, Sungjae, if you beat me, cool, I totally get it. I just decided to make a like a move there, which, we make moves like that all the time. That's how we win tournaments. With that said, Spencer, I understand the logic in terms of the win equity. So, Joel, I got to ask you before I make my pick. It, it, it feels like a yes or no on Sung j Well,
1: I'll just make two quick points. For Spencer, it's an obvious, right? He's only going to be owned by one of us. I think it's four people. It's a great pick here in a small head-to-head cash. Like, Of course, from the big field, I think you make it in a bigger tournament, right? GPP, I think you make a good point. So one way to get around that pickle that you just described bet on them out right and fade him in DFS right that ownership means nothing in an outright ticket it's going to be small odds but at least it hedges you where if he goes out and just plays great and wins the tournament you're still going to win something you'll lose all your DFS lineups, but you'll have a ticket on it and then you fade him in DFS and then if he's 40% owned you have leverage because now you don't have any exposure to him in your DFS lineup
0: I'm not looking at it right now but I would imagine a top 10 Sungjae ticket is what is it Spencer plus it's got to be plus something right
2: uh, I don't have it up in front of me right now, but yes, it is it is plus something if
0: so anybody. I mean that that could be one way to play. You don't necessarily just have to box yourself in with the outright ticket. You could do a top 10. It's probably plus 120, 130, maybe even plus 140, because top 10 is, you know, those are it's not gonna be a top 20 number, obviously. And you know, you, you fade him in DFS. I think that's you know, make a, a larger bet on him in that top 10 market and call it a day. I think that might be a way to handle top 20, of course, too, but that's gonna be probably like minus 130, minus 140. Uh, maybe minus 130. I'm just kind of guessing. Oh, plus 125. Thank you, David, for Jay in the top 10. So um, that's one way to handle the the Jay situation. I'm going to go kind of off the radar here a little bit. When I sized up this tournament, there was just a couple of guys that I had in mind. And, and Spencer, your partner in crime, who, who should probably come on this show sometime soon. Nick yes. Bretwish, you guys just recorded the uh, Better Golf Pod. So I'm going to be listening to that after I, I watch this, of course. He texted out uh, or he he tweeted out a couple names that, that I was already on, and I'm going to pick one of them. It's Robbie Shelton. This is just one of those tournaments where one of those kind of middling 7K guys that we don't know a ton about, but they're kind of like looking to be on an upward trajectory. This is the kind of tournament where I just want to say to myself, OK, this is where this is where I really take a stand on a guy like Robbie Shelton, who, by the way, uh, he's been a lead on approach. Uh, A lead around the green for whatever that's worth in this tournament uh, over the last 24 rounds. He's made three cuts in a row, uh, 20th at Pebble Beach, 6th at the American Express. So the finishing positions are falling in line as well. Um, Also finished here. uh, Here he missed a cut and he finished 11th in 2020. Mm -hmm. So he's the type of guy that I think actually has a chance to top five, if not win this thing. So I'm just going to, because I'm not necessarily in love with the top, I don't mind just trying to go for some some value in the 7K range just to just to start it off. Granted, I say value, this guy could absolutely crash and burn, but you could say that about almost everybody in the 7K range.
2: I, I, I just want to add one thing to that. I actually tend to think that mo- like the biggest separator and most of the value is in that $7,000 range. Uh, It makes a lot of logical sense, specifically when I pull Sungjae from the equation. I don't know if anybody was going to go that route, but once he's off the board, the win equity really shrinks in from there. So, um, you know, I think a $7,000 golfer as a first pick, specifically in this tournament, specifically with Sungjae being off the board, makes a lot of sense. And I kind of expect everybody to take that flatter route to begin this after. I kind of threw a hiccup to the equation with it a little bit.
0: So uh, Spencer, you live in Las Vegas and you'll be happy to know that while he's not a Vegas resident, he does share the moniker Johnny Vegas, Jonathan Vegas, super hard to spell because it's J-H-O-N-A-T-T-A-N. That is a tough one. Nonetheless, he has been drafted by the audience. For those of you that are new to the show, what happens is as soon as I make my pick, that means it's the audience's pick. And I know Joel kind of went over this, but that's when you want to jump in the chat and nominate who you like, because as soon as that person gets a second vote, that's who is going to be on team audience. So again, as soon as I pick, or actually as soon as it goes both ways, right? Joel is going to make two picks. As soon as he makes his second pick, the audience, you can start nominating. Uh, Good job by everybody kind of tallying those votes and helping us out. I know uh, Zach and I believe Brent might have an Ivan, I should say um, might've just made sure we know Vegas is the pick. And I saw all the Johnny Vegas is in there. Joel, any thoughts before your back-to-back picks Vegas in your pool? He seems to be a really popular guy. I get it. He's coming on.
1: Yeah. Not a great start for me. I will say all three guys taken were guys I would have taken with my first pick. So um, it's good. That we're. It looks like we're aligned. We like the same guys this week, Uh, but not how I was hoping the start of this draft would go. I I really like Robbie Shelton and Vegas this week. So, I'm going to find a way to pivot here and still find someone that I really like. And it might cause me to actually pay up a little bit um, and, and do the opposite of what Spencer's saying and start high. Just because Those are the other guys that I have flagged right now. So um, am I going to do that? Well, where I'm going to start, actually, change of plans, is I'm going to start with Chris Kirk um i like chris kirk he's playing really well i think he has a lot of upside in this field you know my first reaction was kind of like 9900 for chris kirk gross uh it still feels a little gross but in this field it is the appropriate pricing um and i guess you know that's part of the strategy if you are going to go away from J, this is the type of guy where you can go to where i think he can come out and win this tournament He has a lot of upside and he's been playing really well this year i mean chris kirk has Last time he played here in 2022, he was tied for seventh, and then I mean, he missed the cut at the Phoenix Open. But at the American Express he was third at the Sony Open, he was third. So I do see a lot of upside here with him. I'm going to go ahead and pair him with what seems like the darling, the talk of the week. And I, I don't know. I'm looking forward to hearing your guys' take on this guy, but I'm going to start with Min Woo, Min Woo Lee. Um, you know, he's been he doesn't play on, on this tour very much, but. Um, he's had a lot of really good results, and he's been um, he's looked really good recently. So I'm going to take that form coming over here in what's a watered down field and think that there's definitely some upside with him here, also at 9400.
0: Yeah, I think Min Moo Lee is going to be a really interesting case study. I, I think the the logic there is, well, he's been doing it on the DP World Tour. Like, how's he going to do it over here? But then again. We've seen him play in majors over here, and he's done really well. So I, I think you can almost kind of negate that argument that, oh, he can't really do it on the PGA Tour. With that said, I mean, he's he's probably a little bit more popular than, than I thought he would be. I, I I feel like he's a little dangerous. I don't think he has any experience here. And for him specifically, uh, that probably matters a little bit to me, but it probably shouldn't. I'll tell you, Joel, I was going to take Chris Kirk if, if you or the audience didn't. But before we get to the audience's pick, Spencer, where are you at on Minwoo Lee? I don't know. I kind of go with what you
2: just said, Sia. Um, I don't know what percentage you see for him right now. I am looking at seventeen and a half percent.
0: Yeah, I am looking at higher than that. So somewhere between seventeen and twenty two percent is is probably the range that I'm comfortable saying he will be in. That's pretty high.
2: I liked him a lot better when he was like sub ten percent yesterday on it. Like to me, he's. I don't know if I want to say it in this ter- in these terms, but he's kind of boomer bust to where sharp markets like his win equity he's fourth on a lot of uh markets to win this event i, I think if you look at him directly in head dead matchups he's gone the opposite direction I, i'm never the person and i kind of like know that with my model if we talk european tour golfers or golfers of any tour that's not the pga tour i don't have the best data on them mm-hmm. um I, I think it's an upside play where if you told me minwoo lee won this event i wouldn't be shocked but I just don't have enough data to point to, to feel comfortable one way or another. And with him being 17.5%, it worries me a little bit, but that's not the answer to like remove him from your player pool. I think that there's, there, there is tangible upside to be found there. And I guess it just goes down to how much do you trust what he's done in the past in America? How much do you trust the numbers that you do have on him? Do you think he is a top, like a legitimate top, 50 golfer in the world, like his numbers are. Cause you think that he is one of those players. I mean, look, like we keep saying after Jay, where is the talent at this point? Like there is a realistic case to be made that Minwoo Lee could be the second, third, you know, fourth favorite, like books have to win this tournament. So uh, it's a unique start that Joel just came up with, with it. Like I don't, even with Kirk and Minwoo Lee, I can't imagine that that's the start. Like they're popular. Don't get me wrong. But I can't imagine that's the start that most people make. And that makes me like it more for that reason in a week where it's a unique combination of popularity.
0: Yeah, I like it. I like it. I mean, I like the start for for that matter. You got Minwoo Lee, who's a, perhaps a little risky, but perhaps not. And I, I like where Chris Kirk stands in this tournament. I mean, we've seen the upside with him lately, but in this field, that, that those T3s could easily become outright wins. So I, I like Chris Kirk and his history here. The audience has already picked uh, Ben A. Uh, I don't really have a a strong and by the way, good job, audience, for getting those nominations in and tallying them up for us. But I don't really have a strong take either one way or the other on Benon. I'm not going to be playing him. I understand the course history is great. Joel, any thoughts before I make my pick? Uh, Is he in your pool? Yeah,
1: I I like Benon. I'll I'll give him a bigger boost for a showdown because he does have a tendency to get wild a little bit with his driver. He could have a day where he puts a few in the water that you can hurt him week long, but he also can have a day where he goes for like a 500 and and will win you a lineup. So I'll definitely be playing him. Trouble. He'll be in my week longs. So if he can avoid an explosive day or wild driver, I think he can have a really good result this week.
2: The audience is testing my golf knowledge right now to being able to spell these golfers names correctly. So uh, <laughs> the hard coding that I've put into this actually shows their price tag.
0: That's great. All right. So I am going to You know, I really wanted to take Chris Kirk here. So now I have to take some detours and I'm debating between two guys. I think I'm going to take the safer of the two and I'm not going to reveal the second one. I'm just going to go ahead and take Shane Lowry. I I will say this. I will have plenty of lineups that don't have either Sung J.M. or Shane Lowry. But in this case, because some of my guys have sort of been taken in, in that upper 8K and upper 9K range, I feel more comfortable at this point taking a Shane Lowry rather than a different guy. I was going to take in the 9K range. He's probably going to go off the board in the next couple of rounds. If he doesn't, I'll probably take him myself. But Shane Lowry, I, mean, I think Shane Lowry is relatively safe. Listen, I know the play has been, you know, pretty inconsistent. But last week he really showed up. He's very much showed up on this course. Probably, should, if it wasn't for like a crazy rainstorm, you know, he probably would have won last year instead of Sep Straka. So. I like his history here. It wasn't just that tur- tournament last year. There were other tournaments. I mean, he's of course history here is good in general. So I think Shane Lowry's on the right track. He's in this field and he's the class of this field outside of Sung JM I think he knows that. And I think, you know, the pressure's kind of on a little bit, but the good news is he knows he can do it because he did it last year. And he was a monster last year with the, with the strokes gain metrics. So I'll take Shane, Shane Lowry off your hands, everybody.
2: I-, I think this is where this show is really unique. Um, you know, I don't know what you would have done with a Sung Jae, shane Lowry thing with the way that this played out, but like your lineup becomes a lot different when we condense down the player pool of options that you actually can choose from at this point. And like my model has Shane Lowry second in win equity. It has him second across the board with it. So um, like if I'm directly comparing, which obviously I already made this decision, I would rather play Sung Jay. But with where you're sitting right now, in the way that you need to make your roster construction I think Lowry makes a whole ton of sense going that route with it.
0: Yeah, and I uh, you know again he's not going to be he's going to be highly owned but I'm seeing something in the in the range of like 22 to 25%, you know, something in that range and again, of course Stephen Pilardi's Sicily Kids article it will be out on windysports.com tomorrow to kind of confirm all the the, the ownership but at least I get an ownership discount off Sungjae and the win equity might not be there quite as much as Sungjae, but at least I get the ownership discount. So so Spencer, you got Sungjae, where are you going next? This is a very
2: popular start to a build. And this is kind of what I'm telling people that you should be trying to avoid doing and it's going to make it. So I have to get unique, but when it came down to my decision, there was one of two players that I was going to take first overall. And I did not expect this golfer to get back to me. And I'm kind of I'm kind of frankly shocked that he did. Um, I'm going to take Aaron Wise.
0: That's who I was. Just so you know, it was between Lowry and Wise. I thought Wise might get back to me, but I was okay kind of handing him off. I, I, I like the pick though. Sorry, go on.
2: Wise is very volatile. I mean, like that's the one thing the ball striking has not been good recently, but he's one of those golfers that prototypically receives a boost in certain parts of the world. So like when we look at fast Bermuda, that team seems to be the surface that he finds his best success on. I- he's second in my model when I look at him in that capacity. So, um, I mean, like if you were to force me to say who is the best value on the board of somebody to bet, I would have said Aaron Wise at 27 to one. He was the very first ticket that I punched uh, on Monday afternoon. I-, I think that he makes a lot of sense from a DFS perspective at 9,200. It's just the recent form that's pushing him down the board. Like he is so close to Shane Lowry with how I ran my numbers. The win equity is pretty much the same. If you would have put him up into the $9,900 range, that would have been more like suitable for what I thought was proper. So I'm going to take wise first. Um, Second, this is going to create a a weird lineup for me. And now you kind of can see where I'm going very quickly here. And I'm going to be playing down in the bottom of the barrel here. I'm going to go with Taylor Pendrith at 8900 um, The ownership has been falling uh, following recently. I saw him over 15% yesterday. I see him at 13.5% right now. And it's interesting with him. You, you don't technically think of a club down course for a venue where he would find his most success, but it's a very similar mentality. And I don't think I can afford this guy at this point. So I'll just name another player. It's so what we've seen in the past with Cam Davis to where you give them these club down opportunities and the upside actually becomes better for them. Uh, He's 32nd in my model for good drive percentage that's compared to 85th in driving accuracy. So that kind of just tells you that once he's clubbing down, he's doing better. He's 13th in total driving. Um, The distance is obviously like not a prerequisite here, but he's third overall. There's very few golfers that take that sort of a mentality of distance plus good drive percentage that are inside the top 35. So I'm going to take those three. They're all three of them in, are inside the top five of my model. I don't know if I've necessarily gotten unique at this point, but you kind of naturally make yourself unique to begin with to where like at this point, it's going to be sub $7,000 golfers that I have to back. So like inherently that makes me different just going that route. And that's kind of the reason why I'm okay playing Sung J M. that if I go this route here, I can get different at the bottom and feel kind of fine doing so.
0: So I'll say this, Joel, I I want to bounce Pendrith off of you before I make my pick because I'm a, I'm a Pendrith fan uh, in general. And I think his talent is awesome. And I think in a couple of years, we're going to be talking about him as a guy in a, in a random tournament in the nine K range, a tournament that has a a more talented field than this one, for example, but he's doing a lot with the putter. And I just, I don't think we know, we know the ball striking can be there for Taylor Pendrith because we saw it last summer when he came back from injury, but I just don't think he's there yet. I think he's one of those guys that we could see getting into a lot of trouble here because of the ball striking in this particular course. Uh, Joel, any thoughts on that? Is he in your player pool? Because I I do, I got to admit there's some upside there too.
1: Yeah, I can see the upside and I can understand why you blame him. He's not in my player pool just because there's, you know, four to five guys priced above him that I really want to jam. But by doing so I have to make some sacrifices. So he
0: didn't make it for me, but I definitely can see that there's definitely upside upside there. Fair enough. Um, so I'm going to go with a guy. So I I, I felt like I, take, I took kind of the safe route with Shane Lowry as opposed to taking Aaron Wise. So I'm going to go with somebody that I feel like has Robbie Shelton-like upside, but also has, in my opinion, tremendous downside. And maybe it's it's only because of the putter. Joseph Bramlett. I really like Joseph Bramlett and Robbie Shelton. And again, it's the 7K range, and all these guys have a certain amount of volatility to them. Bramlett in particular – doesn't usually gain with the putter, but I have seen a trend in the right direction with the putter. So while he's not gaining with the putter, he hasn't been losing quite as much lately. His finishing positions have been great. His ball striking has been elite, frankly. Tita to green, it, the guy has been really good last 24 rounds. I'd say the same about Robbie Shelton. So I think I'm willing to take the upside, the risk. We're talking tournaments here, obviously. So I'm going to go with Joseph Bramlett here. Uh, Spencer, any thoughts there before we get to the audience pick?
2: Before I give an answer there, and and I generally think from an upside perspective, he's an intriguing target, but I just want to point this out because you just mentioned it, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but there are two players in my model that are worse putting on fast Bermuda than Joseph Bramlett. I'm phrasing this question to you for a reason, Sia, with this. So uh, I'm sure you know one of them.
0: Kyle Stanley.
2: Kyle Stanley would be one.
0: It, it, it's not hank lebiota is it
2: uh Le- no, it's it can't not, be not hank, hank Lebiota. lebiota. Uh, uh he
0: is 93rd letter, actually uh okay who would be the second one it, i can't it, think of it
2: i i I'll, I'll let you guess really fast Joel it's a golfer that is older at this point um i don't know if that helps at all i mean he's a guy who has a storied career that has gone south over the last couple of years oh
0: oh is it webb Simpson
2: no, it's not. Joel, do you want to take one guess and then I'll give the answer?
0: Is he playing in this tournament?
2: He, yes. I guess Matt Kuchar? Uh, no. Jason Duffner.
0: Oh, Duffner.
1: Okay. Oh. I didn't realize Duffner was in this tournament.
2: <laughs> that's, that's how <laughs> bad it's gotten at this point. I, I don't know. I mean, it's to me, it's an upside play. The ownership worries me a little bit, but um, it's a boomer bust target to where if Bramlett won this event,
0: I wouldn't be shocked. I do think putter matters here uh more than than i would in other tournaments the only reason i picked him is because what i'm seeing lately over the last like five tournaments is a slight progression in in the putter whereas it's not awful now we're we're we're, now we're on you know fast bermuda so let's see if it reverts back to terrible but i i'm willing to sort of take the chance there because of the upside with the ball strike but i i and by the way Johnny Vegas is one of those guys that the ball striking is great, but the putter could really truly let him down. I mean, I think that's a watch out for Johnny Vegas as popular as he is. So it's just something to be said. And I'm not trying to um, degrade the audience team. It's the audience pick. Did they go with S.H. Kim? I think S.H. Kim was the pick for the audience. I took a hard look at him. And the only reason I backed off is the accuracy issues. Like he's not long and he's also not accurate outside of that he looks like a pretty great candidate on any any course i think sh kim is one of those guys that keeps getting unnoticed but keeps kind of proving that he probably belongs you know with some of the upper 7k guys in this tournament joel any thoughts on sh kim and then spencer i want to get your response too i like sh kim i, I may have taken him with my next pick if the audience didn't mm-hmm.
1: uh, again it's one of those value plays there's probably you know, less than five guys under seventy four hundred that I feel really good about and he's one of them, it's the it's the consistency, right? It's not just he had one good result. It's now been two months of, you know, top twenties and thirties in better field. So um I, I I hear your concerns with like if he gets a little wild out here, he's gonna get him himself in some trouble. But I think he's worth taking a risk
0: on as a as a value. Player. Yeah, Spencer, your thoughts?
2: Well the way that I have this hard programmed right now I don't have it as SH Kim. I have it in the way that it's showing on the screen. So that's uh, another golfer that was tough to spell. But uh, I like him. My model always seems to think that he's a top 20 golfer. So I'm going to say yes to him being in my player pool this week.
0: Yeah, I definitely think he has uh, a ton of upside. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and join forces with y'all. Joel, you got back to back picks.
1: All right. Well, I'm excited for my first pick. Um, I don't think anyone's really on him this week. And I just think this is a guy who, you know, he's not playing great right now, but his pedigree, another week, if he had played just a little bit better in the last month, he'd be maybe the third most expensive guy in this field. And I'm getting him now at 8,100. And that's Cameron Davis. Um, you know, Cameron Davis is a guy who I think can come out and win this tournament. Yeah, the current form isn't peak. It's not ideal right now, but, you know, his driver is good. And, and we always said, right, it's these tracks that, you don't need to rely on the driver as much. He doesn't tend to succeed in those bomber courses. It's when he clubs down, he finds more success, and that could be him this week. So, I think this could be a really good bounce back, and it looks like relatively low ownership for him and a really affordable price for his pedigree. So, I really like Cameron Davis. He's definitely a GPP play this week. And I'm going to pair him with in this pick um, Ben Griffin. The one thing I don't like about Ben Griffin this week is it does look like his ownership is a little bit higher than I would like for him. But, um, again, he's under 8K, 7,900. And 18%, that's a little high. But from all the metrics, the advanced metrics, his ball track, he's been gaining on approach, you know, all year, every tournament he's played in. He's been good around the green. His drivers, except for Pebble Beach, his driver has been consistent. Uh, if he has a hot week with the putter, I think he can do some real damage this week.
2: So really quickly on Cam Davis. Obviously I like him from all the reasons I said, so I'm not going to go into that. Number one in my model for weighted proximity, number four in my model for weighted scoring. I think he is the exact sort of a player at sub 10% that can come out and win this tournament. And I have an outright bet on him at 50 to one. He's boom or bust, but I love him for GPP contests.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, Cameron Davis is like your typical tournament steal if and and by the way aaron wise is too at his price range like these are guys that if they were coming in with anything close to decent form you know aaron wise would be 9900 and cameron davis would be a flat 9k but they're they're not coming cameron davis in particular just not coming in with good form but again this is golf like people can turn it around there's some names that have been in the chat that might get picked and those are names that could potentially turn it around as well. Ben Griffin, one thing I'll note about him, cause I looked at a lot of like greens and regulation stuff and T to green weighted T to green. Griffin was in the top 15 in this field. So I mean, I definitely think that bodes uh, pretty well for him. So uh, audience, can I, can I say one ahead.
2: thing just really quickly and then we'll move on mm-hmm. past this. So, you know, a lot of what Cam Davis has been doing bad recently would be the putter. He's missing so many short putts. It has to be viewed as a positive to get him off a POA and onto a new surface. Like mm-hmm. th- like I'm not saying that it's gonna necessarily work, but there is positive trajectory in my model looking at Fast Bermuda versus his baseline in any course. So uh, that intrigues me.
0: You know what intrigues me? And I'd like the audience to correct me if I'm wrong here. It's the audience's pick. I have scrolled up because I thought I saw something and then I maybe I my eyes deceived me. But at 9.41 PM, Ivan nominates Svensson. Nice pick. Then Stephen Pilardi nominates Kuchar. And then Edward Gale says, Ivan, I like Svensson. To me, that sounds like a second nomination. There's no other Kuchar above that. And then I see all these guys chime in. Zach, Brent, Courtney, all say Kuchar, 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 Kuchar. And then Ivan says, Kuchar it is. Well, wait a minute. The second nomination is what confirms who it is. And the second nomination was from Ed who said, I like Svenson," being that second nomination. So what am I missing here, audience? Because you always blame us for getting stuff wrong. Gate this, decade gate that. And I am just saying, technically not. Okay, so now we have to parse through what a nomination is. So Zach says, technically not a nomination question mark. If you're asking the question, it probably means it was a nomination. Here's what, I'm, what I'm saying.
2: I think in this particular situation, and I am a man of the people here, I say we let Edward give the answer of what he would want to do since he's technically the tiebreaker here.
0: I, Edward, that, that that's probably equitable, but Ed, that sounded like a nomination to me. You can you can say you were just chattering, but it's nomination time. There's no chattering during nomination time. So Ed, you you can confirm whether it was a nomination or not. But just saying, it seemed like a nomination, and then everybody decided they wanted to go Kucher after that. That's not how the draft cast works. Edward, audience stand kid. up
2: to the people and take Svenson. That's the real play here.
0: Yeah, so I, okay, no, they get Svensson. So Ivan is even <laughs> confirming, give me a break, guys, come on. It's Adam Svenson is going to be the pick for the audience and Sia is going to take Matt Kuchar. That's what you get. That is what <laughs> you get. You guys cannot shift the rules because all of a sudden you, you get the feeling that a lot more people like Matt Kuchar. No, 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 no. That's not how this works, Ivan or Ed or Steven or Courtney or Zach. Justice for the PGA DraftCast. You get Svensson. It's a fine pick. Let's not pretend that wasn't a second nomination. Sia gets Matt Kucher. Spencer, back-to-back picks. Let's go. Hold on. on. Hold on. on, Sia is
2: never going to be a part of team audience again. I think you've been
0: booted off of that. (laughs) That was ridiculous. That was a joke. a judgment a call
1: there. he came over the top and took the other pick right in there. <laughs> that is wow uh, whatever happens from here on out, i am i am exhausted whatever the word is i am out of deck-y game, Okay, you know what this I am, means I am free I'm free C- and clear after that one.
0: Kucha's winning this whole damn thing because <laughs> if you like the, 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 that'll be the ultimate like audience being incredibly mad at me Kucha's gonna win this entire thing put the money on it let's go I have nothing else to say. Like what, what I just saw in the chat confirms everything I thought in the first place that they were, they were kind of messing with the rules a little bit. Adam Svensson was the pick. I'm not having any of that.
2: All right. Well, I will move us forward on this before this becomes an all out war here. But um, I think there's a couple places that I can take this lineup and I have to be cognizant of how I want to move this along because like dollar amounts are going to matter at the bottom end for me, and and I'm going to put this in a different order of how I would actually draft them because I kind of want to explain this one golfer a little bit more than the other one, and I'll just rapid fire through the other one. But uh, with the first pick, I'm going to take Carl Yuan. and and I wow. think the thing with Yuan here is, you know, we saw him at sub 100 to one in fields that were much better than this. Now, look, I mean, there's something to be said about what we've seen from him recently. But if you look at his 121st place rank for around the green, that's where the problem stems from weekly. Um, he's going to either be putting the ball into a bunker, which he's inside the top 54, or he's going to be putting it in the water. I'm going to trust his ball striking in this spot to where I think he has more upside than, than meets the eye here because of what we've seen um, uh, recently in some of these spots. And then the second player I'm going to take behind that, who my model has 11th overall, And I know the recent form has not been great, but it's kind of just a bad round here and there. Um, Once again, another very popular play. I think I'm going to go that route. So it comes down to one of two decisions. It was either going to be, and I think I'm still going to go with Will Gordon here. Uh, Davis Riley might be a very interesting contrarian target. I think this is a better fit for him. I am going to take Will Gordon with the pick.
0: I like Will Gordon. I don't have a problem with that. Joel, he's in your pool. Yeah, I like Will Gordon again. Good
1: value here. Um, not, you know, there's not as many guys in the seven K range as I like as I normally would. So I think he's probably one of the four to six that I, that I'll, I'll play. But uh, yeah, I think it's good value.
0: Yeah, the weighted T to green numbers last twenty four. He was pretty high on that list as well, and he will be making an appearance at the very end of this show when we talk about first round leaders so stay tuned for that because that's just going to be in a few minutes so it's my pick after stealing that's how it's going to be labeled stealing Matt Kuchar from the audience by the way if if you scroll up and I I put this on the screen uh, Ed did actually announce it was a nomination so the just thing uh, did occur here Svensson to the audience Matt Kuchar to see it now who am I going to take next I'm going to take a guy who's finally starting to come on finally starting to show some glimpses of, Hey, this is the golfer. We thought he was like a year, year and a half ago. And I don't think he's been drafted. No, he hasn't. I'm going to take Aaron Rye. I'm starting to see a little bit from him. And in this field, I think we will start to see him. You know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all. If he top tens this tournament, that's what I'm expecting from a guy, or that's what I'm hoping for a guy in the 7,700 range. I think he has the talent. Um, I think he's played here once before. And it was a pretty bad finish, but he made the cut, but I like what he's been doing recently. So I'm going to go ahead and take the chance on Aaron Ryan. Spencer thoughts on Ryan.
2: I I like him. I I think he's an intriguing play this week. Um, I mean, you kind of touched on all, on all the reasons why, but he's top 30 in all iterations of how I ran my model. So, you know, at a golfer who is in that mid to upper $7,000 range, I don't know if there's a ton of golfers in that section, like, I can tell you where the ownership's going. It's going to Ben on. It's going to Buckley. It's going a little bit to Rye, but like to me, I like the Rye, the Hodges's of the world. The, um, like I kind of said, if you want to go lower, Riley maybe, but I think he's certainly somebody that's in play. Um, and if you kind of are seeing something recently, and I'm running this from a two year perspective those numbers are probably even better than what I have based off of that. So I, I think he's intriguing.
0: All right. Fair enough. Audience. I see a lot of nominations. I don't think I can't tell uh, if anybody has been seconded. It looks like Denny has been. So Denny is the pick, right? Denny McCarthy for the audience. Um, somebody can confirm that for me, but it looks like Brent Harris and M Patton both nominated Denny and C. max kind of nominated Demi when he nominated two other people as well. Uh, Denny McCarthy's interesting. I feel like, Joel, I'm going to go to you on this one. I feel, wait, Danny Willett or is it Denny McCarthy? Oh, sorry. It's I, no, I'm... that's okay. Um, you know, Denny's one of those guys that I, I kind of don't want to play, but I have to concede in this field. And, and Denny kind of shows up and, and can, like, he, I, he has upside in this field. And I think at this price, it makes a lot of sense. And the ownership on Denny is reasonable. I mean, it's, you know, it's not, it's, it's one of the lower ones in the 9K range. Uh, what are your thoughts on Denny McCarthy this week? He hasn't been in my
1: player pool, uh, but for the reasons you said, I- I'm okay with playing him. There's definitely upside. He can go out and win this tournament. You know, there's it comes down to the, the beginning of the show, what we're talking about, right? It's like, what's your strategy? If your strategy is to fade some Jay and try and get, like, two or three of these 9K guys, I think it totally makes sense to have Denny as one of those guys in your rotation.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Spencer, how did Denny rate out in your model? I mean, it's the answer that I always
2: give. He never grades out that well. Like if yeah. I'm directly comparing him to golfers, I'd rather play Dietrich. I'd rather play Pendrith. I'd rather play Wise. I'd rather play Noren. Uh Noren's a, a disappointing one that I'm kind of sad that nobody took because I think he has top five win equity
0: in this tournament also. He withdrew. Oh, did he? Yeah, he withdrew only in the last couple of hours. It was just announced maybe right before we, we went live.
2: Well, then <laughs> remove that then from the equation, but... Um, it, it, the point kind of still remains and it's probably a better answer to begin with. Like, I'd rather pivot to wise. I'd rather pivot to Pendrith or Dtree Like I kind of rather play everybody around him. So, Fair enough. um, that is a horrible answer, by the way, for one of my season long teams, um, that I have, like, I already had to drop four players this week and now I'm going to have to figure out if I want to play five players or I have to drop some
0: other random person. Ooh, that sucks. All right. Well, Joel. You have Chris Kirk, Min Moo Lee, Cameron Davis, and Ben Griffin. You got two picks, and they happen right now. Who's it going to be?
1: All right. I'm going to go first. I'm going to take Satoshi Kadaira. Um, I think he just grades out well for me this week. His ball striking numbers have been pretty good as of recently. Uh, He gained five strokes at Pebble Beach. You know, he gained a stroke at the Farmers. He's going to need to make some putts this week, but I think if if he continues to strike the ball well, make some putts. I, I think he can really compete in this field. I'm going to go pair him with, I like this play that I'm going to make, but I also kind of felt like a lot of the guys in this range were already taken, so I was kind of forced into him. My only real negative with Buckley is the ownership looks to be creeping up a little bit for him for what I would like. Um, And because of that, there's some other guys in this range that have already been drafted that are lower owned that I would prefer to pivot to. But with those options gone, I do think Buckley can compete this week. We've seen some top 10, top five upside out of him over his last, um, you know, whatever we call a five or 10 tournament. So I think if he can find some of the upside this week, um, he'll be worth the price tag.
0: All right. Nice. I mean, I like Buckley. I, I do like Buckley. Um, Kadaira or Buckley, Spencer, either of them in your pool.
2: Um, maybe to Buckley because I kind of like the upside he presents. I mean, I guess you could give a very similar answer to Satoshi Kadaira, Like the proximity numbers are going to look really good. I have a bet of Carl Yuan over him. Um, now markets have pushed more in the Kadaira way being the the correct answer there. I don't know if I have like a hard stance against Kadaira, but probably no of making my player pool. All
0: right. So we are on the audience and the audience has a decent amount of money left. And it looks like Adrian Moronk is going to be the uh, candidate that's going to be. And I assume he uh, fits within the price range there. Uh, I don't have a huge opinion on Murak. He definitely is, is an up-and-comer. I like what he did last week. Uh, Joel, any thoughts on him in the player pool or no? Uh, probably not for me. I just
1: don't know that much about him. But I do know a lot of people like him. I think that there is some upside. So, um, you know, he was someone I thought about, but you got to make some decisions.
0: So I have sort of boxed myself in here. Um, Spencer, it's about to be your pick. On the first cut yesterday, I looked into the camera, quite literally, like looked directly into the camera. And I said the following words. Are you guys ready? Are you guys sitting down? Everybody at home, are you sitting down? I should go Grayson Sig here, David. I should go Grayson Sig because I like Grayson Sig. But I took a stand yesterday and I feel like it would be a little cowardly for me to back off. And I do think maybe, listen, before I give who I'm going to draft, we're talking about this specific tournament, having guys turn their game around. You mentioned Cameron Davis, Joel, you obviously drafted him. Um, Aaron Wise is a guy. I think you can make an argument that there's some other guys that were drafted, maybe even on my team. I'm I'm trying to remember. There was one other guy that like is definitely in, let's see if he turns it around in this field mode. So I have 7,300 left. And yesterday on the first cut, I looked at the camera and I said, Webb Simpson is going to top 25 at the Honda Classic in 2023, like this year, like this tournament. And I'm going to stand by that. I don't know what the hell's going on with Webb Simpson. I know he had to shake off an injury that I frankly don't know if he's fully recovered from. I think there's a lot of details we don't know about these players. And we find out six months later that there was another injury. And it's like, oh man, I wish we had known that. As far as Webb Simpson goes, the putter has been absolutely horrific. That's why Spencer, when you asked me the putter question and I gave Webb Simpson as the the partner to Kyle Stanley, because his putter has been really that bad lately. He lost five strokes last tournament or last week, I guess it was, or two weeks ago, whatever it was, but the approach game has, well, I can't say it's been trending well, but last time he played, he gained a ton on approach and we're on a different surface here. Webb Simpson has had some success at the Honda classic. I just think he's one of those guys that maybe could reemerge. And we're talking about him in the same context in three months that we're talking about like a Matt Kuchar, for example you know, an older guy that we maybe don't respect quite as much, but we think probably has the game to contend in fields like this. And at 7,300, I think I'm willing to take that chance.
2: I, like, I mean, obviously we know what I think about Webb. I, I take the chance every single week. Welcome, <laughs> welcome on board.
0: Thank you. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. This, this could be the last time I take a chance on <laughs> Webb Simpson. Cause you know, I don't usually take a chance on him, but, It feels like the time is right in a field like this with me seeing at least a glimmer of hope with the approach numbers last time out. Yeah. Spencer, last pick of the draft for the Honda Classic. Who's it going to be? And don't forget, first round leaders come after this.
2: I can't tell you, I'm not going to do it and I probably am going to regret it. I can't tell you how badly I want to take Austin Eckroat at 6,700. I love his upside for this tournament. I just don't know if I trust them whatsoever. And I mean, the problem is any name that I make is going to present that problem. Like, I don't think I'm going to go to the $6,000 range and feel comfortable. I I wish Charlie Hoffman had been a couple hundred dollars cheaper. I think he's another one of those guys in like that Webb Simpson mold to where if you look in, you know, a month or two, I wouldn't be surprised if he's turned it around. I I guess I'm going to go with the golfer. I also, by the way, wish I had an extra hundred dollars. Cause I'd probably take Sam Stevens here. Um, I think he's a very intriguing play, but being a hundred dollars short of that, I'm going to take the player. That's technically the safest in my model. And most of the ways that I've run it, I'm going to take Ben Martin.
0: Yeah. Okay. That, that I, that's who I thought you were going to go with. I like Ben Martin a lot this week. Go ahead. Sorry.
2: Um, I mean, obviously, like when you get down into this range, you're going to have to try to find something that you like in a player. And look, there's volatility with it. He's made three of his last five cuts, though. All three of those finishes have come inside the top 32. This is an extremely weak field. Um, the, the weighted T to green that I have run for Fast Bermuda is great. The approach numbers of how I've run it recently looks awesome. Uh, the putter, Bad. I mean, I think that that's kind of the answer that we've talked about with Bramlin and some of these other guys. But I'm willing to take a shot here on a golfer who's sub five percent. And when we look at Ekro, like there's just so much boomer bust him. And I think Ekro and Yuan are kind of the issues there.
0: Did he say Austin Eckler when you said Austin? <laughs> that was that was pretty funny. Uh, by the way, uh, quick note: in my opinion, uh, the the XFL is actually a pretty good product. I think everybody should watch it. I played. Um, very low dollar DFS tournaments. And by the way, Wind Daily has stuff for XFL too. We got guys in the chat. We got articles um, as well for that, but uh, I cashed in like six out of seven of the tournaments. Granted, they were like $5 and $12. I was just kind of splashing around, but I think it's, it's not easy, but it's pretty easy to get a good read on who's going to play. And that obviously matters. So I I think, uh, I think everybody should dabble in XFL. It's, it's really fun. And the product is, is it's a step down from the NFL, but it's, it's good. So i just wanted to, throw that out there that Wendell is doing stuff for that as well. I like the Ben Martin pick. Um, If I dip into the 6k range, he's definitely one of the guys that I would consider. And, you know, at Pebble 13th, you know, he's, he's no stranger to, at least not recently um, to finishing, you know, relatively high. So I like it.
1: I like it. I like it. We're not done yet. Go ahead. Before we move on, hit the like button, give us a follow. We're going to post these lineups. Let us know which team you think is going to win You can let us know which team you think is going to get seconds if we already know my team's going to win. But either way, let us know your opinion. Uh, If you follow us, get into Discord. We will post our outrights in Discord before the end of the week. We also give weather updates so things can change before Thursday morning. Make sure you get in there and check it out. But for tonight, we have the first-round leaders, and we are due for one. We're going to hit one this week. I got a good feeling, and this is a fun week to do it because – It's a little bit longer odds and it almost feels even more wide open where it's like almost anyone can hit it. So a big number potentially coming. I'm going to pull the draft board down um, and we're going to dive into it. Spence, who are you looking at in the first round leader market?
0: Hey, real quick, I got got to say something. So what's really funny about how we are with first round leaders, particularly this time of year, if you want to harken back to last year, uh, we were on this incredible roll. So Joel says we're due for a first round leader. Well, we hit a first round leader last week, and you know what? It was Max Homa. You know what that means? It means we're due for a first round leader. So don't be confused. Joel said we're due, but of course we're due because this time of year, this is when 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 Daly hits all their first round leaders. So anyway, without further ado, I didn't I didn't want the Max Homa pick to get forgotten by some people who didn't understand that comment, but I understood it because we're going to be due every week.
1: Well, I didn't want to jinx anything because if you notice, I also said last week we were due, and then we hit. So then we're due again because we're going to get it again. So here we go. Spence, who are you thinking for the first only market?
2: I took Carl Yuan at 110 to 1, Davis Riley 70 to 1, Charlie Hoffman 90 to 1, Austin Eckrote 125 to 1, Cameron Davis 55 to 1, and Aaron Wise at 40 to 1.
1: I love it. I love it. Uh, I'm taking one home run shot, one of those where like, you swing for the fences, you either blow your back out or miss completely and hurt yourself. So I'm going with uh, I'm going with the going with I like him this weekend. He's one of those like staple first round leader plays where you know he, he's almost like if he's going to do anything, it's probably in the first round and then he might fall apart. So um, he's 130 to one. I mean, I actually think with this water downfield it's a legit shot that 130 to one ticket could cash. So. I like the big number. And then, more on the more realistic, I think shorter odds. Um, I just think people are a little too long. I'm not mean to take all my picks, but I think it's a little too long odds on Chris Kirk at 50 to 1. He's priced closer to, I think, guys that are more in the 8K range. Um, and I also like two others um, uh, Robbie Shelton at 60 to 1, and Benny Ann
2: also at 60. To I think I this like is it. a good way to play, Kirk. I, I think that's a very good number.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's a long number for him, for sure. All right, we'll see you. Enlighten us. Who are All you right. taking? First round leaders. So I have six guys here, which is a lot. Normally it would be five, uh, but I like six here. And I'll tell you, from an outright standpoint, I'll probably only have two to three to recommend in in our Discord. But that's only because. From an outright standpoint, in this particular tournament, there's going to be some live bets. There's going to be some live outrights in this tournament because keep in mind, there's not going to be guys at the top that you're just going to fear getting jumped like we had last week when we had John Rom at the top and a, and a bunch of guys of his ilk. It's hard to recommend a guy that's, you know, seven or eight spots below that person. So it's just something to consider. This is a really good tournament to live bet, especially with all the pitfalls around the course with the water. Some of these guys at the top, especially if they're not premier golfers can fall really, really quickly. So that those live bets will be in the wind daily discord as well. With that said, Jonathan Vegas at 50 to one Robbie Shelton, Joel, I just heard that from you 60 to one Joseph Bramlett, 60 to one Will Gordon, 70 to one Dylan Fratelli at 80 to one. And, there's one more right your easy button play of the Honda classic your first round leader at this year's Honda classic and I'm telling the world on February 21st 48 hours before we actually have a Thursday first round leader. It's none other, it's this guy's it's this guy's time of year. It's his season and he can get hot for four rounds. I'm not so sure about that, but for one this veteran can do it his name of course. At seventy to one is Ryan Palmer. He will be your first round leader. You're welcome, everybody. There you
1: have it. Lock them in, right? As we like to say, you either get rich or die trying. We're going to get rich on that bet. It is that simple. It's going to be a fun week. Good luck this week, anyone, everyone. See, did I forget
0: anything? Well, we forgot that. Matt Kucher is obviously going to win this tournament because of the shenanigans and hijinks that the audience tried to pull. I do want to say, in all sincerity, I, I can't wait to now monitor Svensson and Matt Kucher specifically because of this show. Uh, I do want to say the audience was amazing tonight. We didn't have like a person in tandem with the audience, like we normally normally. It's me. Uh, what's up, Hingo? Uh, I see you in there. I didn't see you earlier. Spencer for the win, says Hingo. Norlander 150 to 1 is my bomb, says Padden. I like Norlander as a first round leader in general. Uh, I don't think the game is terrible in his case in particular. So um, I just want to thank the audience and I want to tell everybody that's still here. And it looks like all of you are still here. The show, could you tell it flowed so much better because you guys kind of tallied the picks, you got your nominations in, not that it ever flows poorly, but I I just, I really appreciate the audience for that. And for just always being hilarious and creating gate scenarios that I can uh, capitalize on. But uh, definitely come back next week. We're going to have some like amazing guests too. But regardless of all that, in the coming weeks, we're going to have some big time guests. But regardless of all that, uh, I just wanted to say thank you because you guys drive this show. I don't know if it occurs to you and I don't know if it sounds like rhetoric from me, but it's absolutely true that you drive the show and hopefully you're back every single week because that keeps this show like on top of all the others in my opinion.
1: In my Kevin Durant voice, the audience, you the real MVP.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, See, that's a perfect transition because we go from golf to the NBA to sports, sports.